Welcome back to another episode of Ramiumptum Ruminations. I'm still the host, Scott. <laughs> Today's episode is called An Agreeable Disagreement. Thanks for coming back to listen to another episode of the show. If this is content that you enjoy and appreciate, please like it, subscribe to it, follow it on whatever whatever um, podcast streaming app that you're using, and share it with a friend. Thanks to all those that have reached out to me, either through Facebook or on comments on the YouTube channel. I love reading the feedback of the listeners. And I haven't done an episode like this in a couple of months where it's just a responses episode. But I'm going to read a couple of the comments and uh, discussions that I had with some of the listeners in the background because I thought that they would be interesting and enlightening for the listeners. Now, I haven't done the shameless self-plug in about a month. Like I said, I'll probably do this just about once a month. But if you're financially able and so inclined, please consider going to ramiumptumruminations.org and clicking the donate button. Thanks to those that have already donated and thanks to those that will donate in the future. I do have one more announcement that is not a shameless self-plug. <laughs> I'm going to do an Exmo book club of sorts. I'm collaborating with a creator on YouTube and TikTok under the name Analyzing Mormonism, where she and I will be reading through No Man Knows My History. We're going to split it up into a couple of chunks and we're going to discuss and we would love to have the listeners read along with us. If you have insights or comments or questions about the text, shoot me a message on Facebook or on YouTube or on the ramiumptumruminations.org website. And let us know what your thoughts are, your insights are on the book, and we'll incorporate those into our discussion that we're going to have. What our plan is currently for this Exmo book club is we're going to break No Man Knows My History into five parts. So that should be digestible for the audience. Part one is going to be chapters one through seven, and we'll, we'll go through the rest of the book doing seven chapters at a time and then discussing the content and then the final episode, episode five, we're going to go through the appendix, the appendices, because there's a lot of really interesting information in the back of the book. I mentioned it briefly on the Facebook page that, that we're going to be doing this. And just for, for the timing of when I, I've been doing these episodes, I recorded and edited the previous two before this whole idea came to fruition. So I hope that you have enough time to jump in on this with us. If not, do some reading. Shoot us some messages before episode two comes out. Episode one, hopefully, will be next week. At the latest, it will be the following week. So we're talking the first week of April or the second week of April. And for those off in the distant future, that's April of 2022. After we finish this book, I do. I think I do want to start doing an ex-Mormon book club of sorts where where we bring a guest on and we discuss 
a book through the lens of Mormonism. It doesn't have to be uh, a book pertaining directly with Mormonism. We could read 1984 or whatever the book might be and then look at it and analyze it as it pertains to Mormonism. After I did the episode with Radio Free Mormon, I got an infusion of new listeners. And a lot of people were going back to back through the catalog, listening to older episodes and shooting out some messages to me about those older episodes. So I'll, I'll uh, respond to a couple of those and hopefully we'll have a, an interesting chat about it. So a few episodes back, I had a listener make this comment and uh, they said, off topic, I think you'd be perfect to narrate guided meditation. So soothing. Ramble on, pilgrim. <laughs> <laughs> when I read that, oh man, I, I had such a good laugh. That was awesome. And I actually had a number of other people reach out and say the exact same thing. Another listener says, it's true. I came to this podcast for the RFM interview, but I stayed for the voice. <laughs> One of the most consistent things that my teachers told me when I was in middle school, high school, that I had the perfect voice for radio. And it kind of frustrated me. When I was a kid, because at the time, radio was not very popular. The CDs were the big thing. When I was a young teenager, it was the Walkman and the Discman. And then when I was in high school, we started having MP3 players and iPods and such. And so the, the idea of having a voice for radio meant very little to me. That is until podcasts became a thing. My response to a few of these people is that I, uh, I really enjoy the compliment and hopefully the content is, is at least halfway decent enough to keep you sticking around for more than just my voice. But as another listener said, <laughs> he's one of my faves to put on as I'm going to bed, then listen to again later so I don't miss the content. So if, if you only use this to help you fall asleep at night, then sweet dreams. And I'll see you tomorrow when you listen again. <laughs> anyway, I got a I got a good kick out of that. I thought maybe some of the other listeners might as well. Before I get too far into this, I want to say thank you to RFM for letting me co-host a show with him because that was um it was awesome to get uh, a number of new followers from his audience that might find some uh, benefit from the episodes that I'm producing. So, again, huge thank you to RFM for letting me share the, the sound space with him for a minute. Now, this is for <laughs> more directed at my nerdy audience. I had a listener ask me if I've ever thrown a controller. And this is in reference to uh, some of the comments that I made about playing from software games, the Dark Souls, Bloodborne, Sekiro, and now the latest Elden Ring. And yes, I have thrown a controller exactly one time it was while playing Sekiro and for those that have played it there's a specific boss that you fight that's a giant ape and he's really hard halfway through the fight he comes back to life and is even tougher and crazier than before near the end of the game you can fight this boss again and you go through you know you know the mechanics already it looks like it's going to be a tough fight but you've already learned how to fight this type of boss but the developer didn't throw just one of these apes at you. They threw two of them. So you had to dodge two of these giant apes in this crazy fight. Anyway, 
it was in that specific fight that I threw a controller one time. <laughs> it didn't deter me, though. I did eventually go back and beat those guys, but I have never been more frustrated with a video game than I was at that one at that time. Now, this next comment that I want to read was actually a discussion that I had back and forth with a listener, and it was awesome. One of my favorite things that this podcast has exposed me to is people that disagree with me. I love talking to people who think differently than I do. And that doesn't mean I'm going to change my mind or that they're going to change theirs. But when you can, but when I can have an open conversation with someone who thinks and looks at the world differently than I do, it makes my world a much better place. So this listener, he reached out to me after I did the episode uh, 41, uh, where I called it the 90 and nine. In that episode, I was kind of breaking down some of my thoughts and and the uh, questions that I had after doing the episode with Radio Free Mormon. And in that episode, I contrasted the parable of the sheep with the 90 and 9 and the, the shepherd going after the one. And I contrasted that with the church. And this listener came back to me. He is a believer. His wife has left the church. And he came back with some awesome insights. Now, although my opinion of this subject didn't change, the way I look at it did because I, I listened to what this guy had to say. It was, it was a fantastic conversation. I'll read you some excerpts of what he said, and I don't want to, I'm not going to dox him and I'm not going to say any of his information. So I'm just going to kind of read the bulk of what he said. And, and then I'll talk about some of my responses. And then he, he responded to me again, and we had this really great back and forth. The reason I want to share this is because this is, this is how I talk to my wife when I go over some of these subjects. I don't talk to her with the idea that I'm going to change her mind or convince her to leave the church. I talk to her knowing that she's made her decisions and I've made mine. And we disagree, but we can talk openly in a way that's non-threatening. And we can come to understand our own views better when they're challenged. And sometimes when your views are challenged, if you're looking at them as unbiased as you can, you do have to change your ideas. Anyway, I'm ranting. Sorry. Let's jump into this. So here's what this listener said. He said, first off, thanks for your podcast. I feel like the overall, like overall, you do a fantastic job of showing both sides of an argument and being open-minded and respectful. I'm going to skip a little bit. He talks about his, um, he talks about his personal situation with the church and with his wife. And skipping through that, he says, I just wanted to offer a different view on your recent 90 and 9 podcast. I'm going to try and be brief in explaining my view as to not write a novel. In Luke 15, Jesus gives three parables. Now, when I did the episode, I did the Matthew version. Anyway, in Luke 15, Jesus gives three parables, the lost sheep, the lost piece of silver, and the prodigal son. The sheep is lost due to wandering, moving away casually, aimlessly, or unintentionally. The coin is lost due to neglect. The prodigal son is lost due to an intentional choice or decision to leave. Jesus gives examples of how we are to seek after these different types of lost things, people or sheep. I feel like in your podcast, you used examples of how the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints approaches those who intentionally leave the church, as did the prodigal son, and and contrasted that with how Jesus taught we should approach recovering those who have wandered away unintentionally, for example, by becoming lax in their convictions to keeping the commandments as opposed to those who have made a conscious decision to leave the church. I think the way the church teaches how to approach those who intentionally leave is more in accordance 
with how the father of the prodigal son waited, did not go after, patiently, and finally ran when his son was already on his way back, but still a far way off. To be fair, you made some good points, and there are definitely examples of things that have been said over the pulpit that could support the point you were trying to make. But I feel like the overall point that the church doesn't teach recovering lost ones the same way Jesus does was a little unfair, as I believe the church teaches exactly, maybe with some exceptions, what Jesus taught. If you apply it to what I believe is the correct parable for the situation. If you disagree with my reading, I'd love to hear why and get a better understanding of your interpretation. Now, I I responded to him, and I'll read you my, my response in a minute here. I love the opportunity to find out that I've been wrong. He pointed out a clear mistake I made in this in in this connection, and it allowed me to have a good discussion with him, and then alter what I had said a little bit. Here's what I said. Hey, thanks for reaching out. I love hearing other people's ideas and interpretations. I try my hardest to keep an even tone and respectful attitude towards believers. I wanted to create a space where a non-believer could share my content with a believing friend or spouse. I'm never afraid to be wrong or mistaken. I'm glad you offered a better better parables to compare with a member who has left the church. I agree. The prodigal son might be a better comparison than the 99 that I used. The hard part with this situation is that Jesus said those to a very different audience than the world we live in today. I would have stayed a member if there were better answers to the questions that I had. I also would have stayed if there were space for non-literal belief. If we're using the prodigal son, the situation would be slightly different. The son would go to the father with questions or concerns, and they either be ignored or get evasive answers. And after that, the son would decide to leave. So in this, I just offered maybe a, a recontextualization of the parable to try and make it fit better with the situation that many of the ex-members of the church are faced with. And uh, so I'll jump, I'll jump to his response. And, and on this one, I'm going to cut out a little bit because he goes into some detail about his personal life. And so I'm not going not gonna to read that. He says, that's a very good point about it not necessarily being a relatable situation to a lot of people who have decided to leave the church, especially since there's a perception that people leave just because they want to sin or live a different lifestyle, which I think rarely is the case. Again, I'm going to skip a little bit because he talks about his uh, his own personal experience here. And then he says, <clears throat> after after relating some of that and some nuance with, with, uh, with beliefs, he says, So I think some answers to questions or issues can be individual, which can't really be addressed by the church as a whole, which is where the comparison falls apart a bit. But I can see where there are other questions where the church could give answers or apologies on overarching questions or issues, and it doesn't. So from that perspective... I don't think it's unfair to say that there's a reason the prodigal son left and that the father should come follow after him and give an apology or sufficient response if he expects the son to return. But it is a little bit of a stretch from the original parable. So I think it's so I think to use it as an example of how the church does not follow the teachings of Christ is a little bit of a stretch as well. This is me jumping out of uh, reading these comments. <laughs> I I really like what he said there. I think that... I think that overall the church really is trying to follow after the example of Christ. The members as a whole are trying to live their best lives and be good people. Where I think I might draw a line and maybe make a distinction is the example that the church leadership, the top 15, they don't follow this same sort of a pattern. They don't offer apologies. The example that they give isn't always in alignment with the 
messages that Christ taught. And I could go into a number of different things. I could talk about the billions of dollars. I could talk about the racist doctrines in the past. I mean, we could we could cover a number of different things. And, and they have been at length on a number of different podcasts. I'm not saying this to say that these are bad people, but until an apology is made, until some of these errors in the past of the church are adequately addressed, they're going to be skeletons in the closet. It's impossible for the leaders of the church to teach the members to apologize and to make restitutions when they do when they do something wrong when they're not exhibiting that same sort of behavior. If the top leadership wants the members to follow their example, the example they're giving is obfuscation. But I'm going to step step back from this assessment a little bit as well and say that these unhealthy systems weren't created by these top 15. They were inherited by them. They were given to them by the previous leadership. And so breaking the mold, changing what changing the status quo is going to require sacrifice on their part as well. And until they do it, I don't think that their example is in perfect alignment with Jesus Christ. Now, again, I'm going to step back and and put another stipulation on this. Nobody on this planet is perfect. On one hand, to say that, to put an expectation that the prophet is going to be perfect always is silly. So I recognize that this, this ideal of living a perfect life and being the perfect example isn't something that's possible even for the prophet of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. But I, I did expect them to be good and to be good examples. For me, they exist in a much grayer area than I would expect for someone who professes to speak in the name of Christ. Maybe this is me being a little bit more direct than I normally am, but it's hard for me to look at all the facts and make a different assessment. Now, what I, what I loved the most about this interaction with this gentleman was that he and I came to different conclusions. We both made concessions. We changed the way we looked at things and we both walked away with largely the same ideas that we had in the first place. But we had a great discussion. That, that's the pattern that I've tried to emulate when I interact with my friends and family. When I first deconstructed, I tried to force facts and opinions down my wife's throat, and I tried to, to make her come down this path of religious deconstruction with me. But that didn't work. It only pushed her away and put a strain on our relationship. But when I approached her with the idea that I wasn't trying to convince her, but I was just trying to have an open conversation, we suddenly were able to talk about things and have really uncomfortable conversations for both of us and come away from it loving each other even more, even though we disagreed. And it really turned into a beautiful thing. Sorry, I was rambling there for a sec. The next thing that this gentleman said was, I really appreciate your open-minded approach. I've tried having conversations with several different people on some of the difficult topics uh, which lead to a faith crisis and some morality questions, and everyone who's still in the church gets way too defensive, and my friends who are not members don't really get a lot of where I'm coming from, so it's nice to have someone who gets where I'm at but has an opposing view. We discussed a little bit and, you know... Um, chatting back and forth a little bit. And then he says, he says this, I, I got a good chuckle out of it. He says, I promise this is not me trying to missionary you back in or anything like that. 
<laughs> I just feel like we think similarly and could have some really good conversations. Well, and I definitely agree. It's really hard to find someone who is okay to have their ideas challenged and confident enough to discuss them openly with someone who disagrees with them. Both inside the church and outside the church, there is a tendency to dehumanize or other someone who thinks differently than you. For those that are in the church, we de- they dehumanize those that have left by making a caricature of the reasons that they left. They wanted to sin, they were too lazy, whatever the reason might be. And the fact that they're not willing to have an open conversation with us after we leave, it really dehumanizes us. No two people think the exact same way and left the church for the exact same reason. And then, this is where I'm going to challenge some of the listeners, the same goes on the flip side. Oftentimes, when we discuss believing members of the church, we dehumanize them and make caricatures of them with the way that we describe them as blind sheep and some of the other words that we use that might be offensive to someone who believes. But when we can firmly ground these conversations and humanize this person who disagrees with us, then we can have an awesome dialogue. When we talk to our believing family and friends, don't go into it with the intention of convincing them to leave the church or to change their mind on X, Y, or Z subject. Don't dehumanize them or or characterize them as sheep without the ability to think. When we talk to people who think differently than us, present the ideas, present the concerns that you may have had when you left, and then ask them honestly, without judgment, what their views on it might be. So what I'm asking for in this is perhaps that we give the same nuance and compassion to our believing family and friends that we wish that they gave us. In my own experience, it's rare to receive this kind of compassion from a believer. But when I have, it's turned into a beautiful thing. One of my closest lifelong friends, when I told him I left the church, he looked at me kind of shocked. He didn't really expect it. And then he said, okay. And we kept talking about whatever nerdy thing we were talking about probably whatever video game we were playing at the time. (laughs) In all that we do, we should try and humanize other people as much as we can. Because at the end of the day, we are one human race. And these distinctions that we create, believer, non-believer, those are just in our head. They're humans and we're humans. So I guess there is the wrong word there. We're all humans. And we are humans first. We are not Mormons or ex-Mormons first. We are not Europeans or Americans or whatever nationality is. We are not any of those things first. We are humans first. Because so many of these distinctions are completely arbitrary. The things that make us human and the things that make us who we are should join us so much closer rather than separate us for one or two disagreements on whether or not God exists or whether or not you were born on one side of a a geographical boundary or the other. 
we are all humans. I haven't talked about some of the movies and and shows that I've been watching for a minute, so I'm going to do that for a sec. For new listeners, I occasionally will talk about the movies and shows that I've been watching and and, uh, the books that I've been reading and such and and, uh, relate it a little bit back to the church. I'm recording this in March of 2022 and uh, just recently watched the show Turning Red with my kids and I absolutely loved it. Such a beautiful show about a little girl who her mom is trying to coach her and teach her into being this polite little girl, perfectly obedient and a small version of herself. But this little girl, in order to do that, has to push her emotions and feelings aside. She has to make herself smaller and trap herself in a little box in order to fit in and in order to conform with what her mom wants. And I won't spoil the ending for those that haven't seen it yet. It's beautiful. One of my favorite things about these stories is that you don't have to cut off who you are to have a relationship with someone that's different than you. And I absolutely loved the end of that movie. Such a great story. Sitting, watching it in my, uh, <laughs> watching it with my family and my kids, my uh, son and daughter that were old enough to understand. My other kid is uh, a little bit younger. She's less than two, so she doesn't really understand much. Anyway, my son and daughter were watching the movie. They were getting kind of nervous about her transforming and some of the awkward and uncomfortable situations that she was put in. But my wife and I were just laughing the whole time because we remember what it's like to be an awkward, uncomfortable 13-year-old kid with dis- having disagreements with your parents and growing into the adult that, you're, that you need to be to be authentic. And, and that's really what the show was about. Learning to be yourself unapologetically. But then also recognizing that being yourself doesn't necessarily mean that you have to cut off those that are different from you. Such a beautiful movie. I loved it. In tears by the end. I'm a crier. When I watch a movie, I, I do tend to cry because uh, I, get, I get really emotional. The reason that stories like this touch me so much is that it's, it's almost a spiritual experience. It's me recognizing this humanity and the same story that we all experience, these same emotions, these same feelings that we all go through seeing them played out on TV or in a book or wherever it is, they touch me and they move me in ways that, that the scriptures never could. Anyway, I'll, I'll quit rambling about shows. So if you haven't watched it, go watch it. Great little movie. It did spark some interesting conversations about puberty with my kids. My son is, uh, about nine right now and my daughter is six. So we, uh, we had a chat with them about, the changes that will happen to their bodies when they're a little bit older. And that was actually kind of a fun conversation is uh, they're nervous about some of the things that are going to happen, scared about some, but also excited about some of the others. I also watched Batman, but that one doesn't really relate to the church. It was awesome though. I loved every minute of it. Such a cool take on the superhero. Thanks to those listeners that have reached out, reached out to me. I love interacting with you guys. I love having conversations about some of the things that I've talked about. I love learning from you because I, I don't profess to have the answers or all of the knowledge about any of these things. I've been wrong so many times in my life. been wrong about big things. And I'm not afraid to be wrong again and to have to relearn things all over again. 
this, the skills that I learned while deconstructing religion will stay with me for the rest of my life. My goal is to continue to use those skills in every aspect of my life to understand who I am better and to understand the systems in place around me. Anyway, I'm rambling. Thanks for listening to the episode today. I hope that you enjoyed it. Occasionally I will do episodes like this where I read some of the comments and and talk about some of the interactions that I've had. I've done full episodes that are just responses to some, some of the listeners and those have been really fun. So if you ever have a subject that you want me to talk about, or if you have a question or, or if you think I'm wrong about something, reach out. I'd love to discuss it with you. So while you're listening there on the app, go give it a like, give it a subscribe, make sure to to leave a review wherever you find yourself right now. After doing that, uh, that subscribing or liking and rating and all that, wherever you find yourself, I hope that you have an excellent day. (laughs) 